Hi, my name is Adam Bergman. I'm a tax partner with the IRA Financial Group. Today I'm going to discuss things to consider when considering the ROBS solution. Now, for anyone who doesn't know, the ROBS structure, also known as the rollover business startup solution, is a structure that has become very popular over the last 10 or so years because it's really the only legal way one can use retirement money to invest in an active trader business or franchise. Essentially, there's three ways you can use retirement money to invest in a business. Take a taxable distribution, which isn't that attractive because you've got to pay tax and penalty if you're under 59 and a half, but certainly tax. Uh, a 401k loan, but that limits you to $50,000 or 50% of your account value, whatever's less. But you're really capped at 50000 bucks, which for many businesses is not enough. And then the third structure, the ROB structure, which takes advantage of an exception in the tax code under 4975D13, that allows a corporation to buy uh, – sorry, lets a 401K adopted by a corporation buy a qualified employer security. So two things you need. You need a C corporation, not an S corp or an LLC. You need a C corporation, and you need the C corporation to adopt a 401K plan, not an IRA, but a 401K plan. You'll then roll your existing retirement money funds into the 401K, and then the 401K buys stock in the company – also known as qualified employer securities, and then the company has money to buy the business. In a nutshell, that's how the ROB solution works. Again, the exception of the tax code under 4975D13, uh, many people believe was there to, to really uh, help people that work at large companies like Ford or GE uh, to use their 401k to buy stock in the company they work for. But like almost everything else, uh, a number of attorneys looked at this and said, hey, if it works for a big public company like GE, why wouldn't it work for a startup? And beginning in the late 90s, early 2000s, that's what started happening. Startups began using this structure to set up uh, a solution to use retirement money to invest in their own business. And it's certainly controversial. Uh, before 2008, there was really not a lot of guidance um, Myself included, that I didn't like working with these structures because there was not a lot of virus guidance. The exception was codified under the statute, but you know there was no uh, really any uh, support from the IRS. Uh, we knew you can use a self-directed IRA to uh, invest in your own business, so we needed further clarification. The IRS, um, as I mentioned, found this very controversial. They looked at a number of these ROB solutions starting in 2005 and came up with a number of problem areas and compliance issues, which they addressed in a 2008 memorandum, and it was released October 1st, 2008. And it's a very important document for anyone who's considering a ROB solution. It's must-reading, something that you need to look at. And this podcast will kind of go through the problem areas and compliance issues so you don't have to read every single word in, in detail. It's very important because it gives you kind of a landing guide as to what uh, is allowed, what's not allowed, how to navigate the ERISA and IRS rules. So if you establish a ROB solution, you do it in full compliance. Um, kind of a handbook, so to speak, of some of the problem areas the IRS found and, and to make sure that you're not doing them. So if you do get audited or your structure gets audited, uh, you're not going to get into any trouble. Now, let me let me start off by saying the Rob solution is legal. The IRS has clearly said that uh, in 2010. They had a public forum, and they, they stated that clearly it's not a tax shelter. It's not a reportable um, transaction, and it's not a prohibited transaction, clearly, because it's 
there's an exception under 4975 D13. But there's a lot of problems. There's compliance issues, and the IRS is not happy with the structures for the main reason is close to half of these businesses fail. That's according to the Small Business Administration. So from the IRS's standpoint, you may not feel that they're a partner in your retirement account, but they really are. Because when you hit seven years old, if you have a pre-tax retirement account, you have to start taking required minimum distributions, which basically makes you take into income a percentage of your retirement account each year. So if your IRA or 401k is invested in stocks or even money market or bonds, it may go up or down, but for the most part, it probably will not go to zero unless you've put all your money into a, a uh, company like Enron or Bear Stearns or Lehman, but that doesn't happen very often, and most people don't put all their retirement account into one stock. So the IRS feels a lot more comfortable if you're doing that or buying real estate where there's a hard asset. Because a lot of businesses fail, startups especially, if you took your retirement account, invested in a business, and it failed, well, now you're left with zero. And the IRS loses twice because they gave you a tax deduction when you made your IRA or 401k contribution, and now they get zero back uh, in taxes when you take a requirement minimum distribution. The tax revenue they generate from the RMDs is substantial, significant to the Treasury, and it's something they need to protect. So that's one of their main issues with the uh, Rob solution. Um, I, I bet if they could, they would probably rewrite the 4975 D13 exception to apply more narrowly, but it is what it is. It's there. It's not something the IRS or the Department of Labor are changing. But it's something that uh, they're certainly aware of. There's certainly an audit risk for doing a ROBS. And I now want to go over some of the problem areas the IRS addressed in this ROBS memorandum. Um, I think this podcast is really uh, important for anyone concerning a ROBS. I think this is something you, you want to pay attention to. Clearly, the, the memorandum is only about 15 pages. It's actually found on our website, IRAfinancialgroup.com. You can Google it. If you just Google 2008 IRS ROBS memorandum, you'll get it. It's must-reading, uh, something you, you need to be aware of. Talk to your accountant or uh, attorney about it. Uh, but here, here, here we go. Let's, let's dive into some of the problem areas. The first major problem area the IRS found was the plan, the 401k plan was not being notified to eligible participants. And some of you may know uh, under uh, ERISA rules uh, that govern the uh, use of 401k plans, all eligible participants of a 401k plan need to be offered benefits. Generally, a lot of small 401k plans, they try to follow what's called safe harbor rules, which were put into place in 1999 to allow small companies to have uh, less of a burden administering their plan. But under the safe harbor rules, it states that every eligible employee is generally over 1,000 hours, need to be offered at least a 3% match uh, so long as they're putting money into the plan or, in some cases, irrespective of their salary. So if, if employees aren't being told there's a plan, that's a problem because it violates the risk rules, it violates the, the IRS 401k rules, and it's something the IRS is not very happy about, and it could invalidate the structure. So because a lot of people are using the Rob solution and, and the 401k as a funding vehicle, in some cases they're just ignoring the fact that it's there, using it to fund their structure, not offering any benefits to their employees in terms of employee deferrals, profit-sharing contributions, and the like. So that's the first problem area. Plan is not notified to eligible participants. Number two, inadequate valuation. Now, this is something the IRS is really focused on. And the reason is under 4975D13, if you, if you read the rules, 
it states under the ERISA law that when a qualified employer security is purchased, it must be purchased for adequate consideration or basically fair market value. Now, if you work for Apple and you buy Apple stock with your 401k, not very hard to find adequate consideration. Go online, go to CNBC, Wall Street Journal. You can easily see what the stock trades for. Private stock, not so easy. You need someone independent to tell you what it's worth. Now, most startups and most of the companies doing ROBS, franchises, startups, they're startups. The new C corporation is either a shell company, just newly created, or it's a very young company with not a lot of business history. How do you value the stock being issued? Now, the IRS is concerned about valuation because they feel that a lot of people are moving assets into this company and the assets are then being used for personal purposes, not being used at all for business asset purchase, which is the main crux of the, uh, of, of the structure, the main purpose. So they feel if you have a, a good valuation, that means someone independent, like a CPA appraiser, is going to look at what you're buying and is going to make sure that you're actually buying what you're supposed to be buying and not just buying an asset for personal use or leaving the cash in the account. So they're very concerned, and they want to make sure that the – Valuation has teeth to it, has some meat to it, has substance, because that shows that you're actually going to buy assets because the appraisal or is going to show the assets being purchased. Now, if you're doing an uh, asset purchase from an existing business, uh, you should have a, a under Section 1060, there's a purchase price allocation. So you should be able to have uh, a valuation done that, e that really uh, equates what the assets are being purchased and what you're going to report on your tax return for depreciation purposes. But if you're doing a startup, you're starting your own business, the valuation is more important because now you're, you're putting cash into a company and it's going to buy assets. You really need to show the accountant or appraisal, appraiser excuse me, what you're buying. And this is what the IRS is concerned about. They don't want a valuation that says, oh, I'm putting in $150,000 and I'm, it's cash. They want to know what you're buying with that $150,000. It's equipment, inventory, lease, property, uh, what? And they need, they, they're concerned about this because they feel that if you don't have meat on this valuation report, that uh, you're probably not buying any business assets, and it, this leads to abuse and could invalidate the structure because they can argue that the purchase isn't for adequate consideration because the uh, appraisal does not satisfy the requirements. Now, it's very hard to know what substance means. There's no guidance is what the IRS is looking for. But they mentioned in the memorandum that they don't want a one-pager. They want someone that goes through the industry, wants to see what you're buying, what the assets are going to be used for, history, the, the environment you're buying into, uh, market conditions, things like that. It has to have substance. You can't just be a, a napkin or a piece of paper that's saying the stock's equal to the cash you're putting in. They want to see what the assets you're buying. So inadequate valuation is the second problem area. Third problem area is the IRS Form 5500, which is the information return for the 401k, in many cases is not being filed. Many people believe that because in some cases a startup or franchise may not have any full-time employees on the owner, that they can file a 5500EZ, which is a two-page form, and only needs to be filed if the assets are over $250,000. But people are reading the instructions because the instructions on the 5500EZ clearly states that if you're buying qualified employer securities, you have to follow the regular 5500, which has no um, threshold for uh, asset value. You have to file it in any case. So 
So in a lot of a lot of instances, the 5500 is not being filed, which is a problem because it, it violates the rules, and it could create serious penalties. So that's the third problem area, IRS Form 5500 not being filed. Fourth, permanency of a plan. Under the 401k rules, under the IRS section, Treasury Regulation section 1.401-1B2, it, it requires the plan be permanent. Now, it doesn't mean you have to keep the plan forever, but it means your intention is that the plan is not something that's temporary. Now, what they don't want to see is people setting up a plan, using it as a funding arrangement, never offering benefits, never using the plan for any purpose, kind of ignoring the fact that it's there, and just using it as a funding vehicle. And they feel, the IRS feels that if you do that, and you don't offer benefits to employees, that it could violate the permanency rule and violate the exclusive benefit rule that states that the plan has, has to be used for the exclusive benefit of the employees. So another issue is permanency of a plan. They don't want you setting this vehicle up, ignoring the fact that it's there, never offering benefits, never filing the 5500, or terminating the plan you know, the minute after you, you've done your transaction and, and you've moved out of, of the structure and the 401k has then sold the stock, kind of just terminating the plan. They want the plan to be permanent, to stay with the business, long after the structure has been used if there's an exit strategy. Fifth problem area or compliance issue is um, personal assets being purchased. Um, so what does that mean? They are concerned that what is happening is people are not using retirement money. They are using the structure for personal purposes and not to buy business assets. So as I talked about before, the whole purpose of the business acquisition or Rob solution is that you're buying, you're, the corporation is, is receiving these funds in return for stock purchase to buy business assets. Now, if you're buying a car to use or go on vacation to Hawaii or using it to pay off your mortgage, that's a problem because you uh, are violating the rules of the plan and the structure because the assets are not being used for corporate purposes. And if the assets aren't being used for corporate purposes, then there's, there was no justification in, in, the, in the purchase by the 401k of the stock of the company. Uh, it goes into violation, as I mentioned, of the exclusive benefit rule, where the benefit of this plan is not being used for the employees, but being used to personally benefit the owner. Uh, the plan wasn't set up to help the employees, wasn't there to help the business, which is required to adopt the plan, but is there to personally benefit the owner because the assets that were purchased by the company were not for the business or the employees, but for the owner. So you got an issue of exclusive benefit rule. You have a violation of uh, the rules under the 401k, Section 401a2. Um, so it's an issue because it could violate the structure. It could make the IRS determine the plan's invalid. Uh, there's no exclusive benefit. There's no purpose for the plan. This, the sixth uh, problem area or compliance issue is lack of, of plan activity. And this is something that, again, I've touched upon. It goes back to the issue of the plan being something that is set up for business funding purposes, and that's it. The plan's set up. It's never offered to employees for employee deferral. Uh, to use as a cash or deferred arrangement, CODA. It's there as a funding arrangement. It's hidden. In some cases, the IRS found when they looked at these plans before writing the 2008 memorandum, so back in 05, 06, when they audited a bunch of plans, 
in order to draft this memorandum. They found that in some cases the plan uh, carved out Dakota basically right after it was created so to never have any opportunity for the employees to benefit. It was really there as a funding vehicle, only purpose, not used for any other purpose. There was a profit-sharing component, but it was never utilized. And the CODA option was never, uh, it was actually removed, so it was never even offered to the employees. So the employees basically didn't even know a plan was there because the company didn't do a profit-sharing contribution. The employees had no opportunity to make employee deferrals. There's no loan feature. There was no benefit. So the only person that benefited was the owner of the business or the owners, and that is an issue because it fails lack of plan activity under Section 401k2d. Uh, it could be argued the plan um, didn't serve the uh, exclusive benefit of the employees. There's an issue of, again, of uh, permanency of plan and uh, the issue of uh, exclusive benefit. So another problem area is the lack of plan activity. So just to summarize, these are essentially the, the main compliance issues and problem areas the IRS found in the memorandum. Again, I think it's important to read the memorandum, but number one, plan not notified to eligible participants, inadequate valuations being provided under uh, 4975D13 could be an issue because it could fail to satisfy the requirements. The 5500 is not being filed in many cases. The permanency of the plan uh, is an issue. In a lot of cases, the plan's terminated or not being offered to employees. In some cases, personal assets are being purchased, not business assets. The memorandum uh, mentions a case where a recreational vehicle was used uh, or purchased and not uh, really for business purpose. So that could violate the, the regulations under 401 uh, that the plan must meet, follow and meet the exclusive benefit of the rules proposed under Title II of ERISA, which wouldn't be satisfied if the assets were being used for personal purposes. There's a lack of plan activity. Uh, the code is not being notified uh, or provided to um, the employees. Um, so that's another issue. Um, and again, just to uh, conclude, the IRS and the DOL clearly say this is not a legal structure. You could do this. No one's saying you can't. I personally believe this should be a last resort. If you came to me and you were Donald Trump or Bill Gates and had plenty of money and want to do this, um, I would say don't do it. Use personal money. You don't have to deal with uh, IRS issues, potentially audits. You don't have to deal with a corporation. You can use an LLC or an S-Corp, which is a more of a tax-efficient strategy. You're not forced to use a 401K, which has uh, annual compliance costs, record-keeping costs. You have a lot more flexibility. But if you are in a situation where you need to use the retirement money to buy a business and you need probably more than $50,000 or don't want to pay tax and penalty on the taxable distribution, the ROBS works. Uh, no one says it doesn't, but it needs to be done properly. You should work with attorneys, CPAs, tax experts, or firms that have experience. You need to read the ROBS memorandum. I try to have all my clients read it. 15 pages. Hopefully this podcast will, will give some light as to um, the, the overall themes of the memorandum. Uh, I've tried to hit the main points, but if I missed on some, um, it's, it's helpful to read the memorandum. But if you take away one thing from this, remember there are compliance issues, problem areas that the IRS is concerned with. Also note that 50% or, or if not more of these startups fail. So when you're thinking about using your retirement money to do this, I'm sure you worked really hard for your uh, retirement funds and built up a nice nest egg. There is a risk for using it all to start a business. 
I hope you found the, the podcast helpful, insightful. Uh, again, read the Ross Memorandum. If you have qu- further questions about it, call me, uh, email me. You can always call uh, 800-472-0646, 800-472-0646. Uh, to learn more about the Robs, uh, you can email us. Uh, you can email me at Adam, B-A-D-A-M, B as in boy, Adam B at IRA Financial Group. Send us an email at info at IRA Financial Group, and uh, we'll be happy to answer any questions you have on the Robs structure. Hope you found the podcast um, helpful, and uh, thanks for listening.